welcome back to this podcast series, Struggling with Judgment. My name's David Ingle, and I'm a preacher, pastor, and filmmaker. And this is episode three in our series, An Antidote to Poison. One of the highlights of London in summer is the chance to visit the Globe Theatre, a reconstruction of where Shakespeare worked and premiered many of his plays. And it's a raucous and interactive take on Shakespeare, which is surprisingly fun. Like many a great writer, Shakespeare had a love of intrigue and murder, at least in his plays. And one of his favourite plot twists was poison. Hamlet's dad has it poured in his ear. Romeo drinks it in despair and Cleopatra kills herself with the bite of a poisonous snake. It's something small, but deadly. As Shakespeare puts it, Swift as quicksilver it courses through the natural gates and alleys of the body, and with sudden vigour dost posset and curd the blood. That image of a poison that spreads and kills as it does is actually one of the pictures that the Bible uses to describe sin. It's beautifully put in Deuteronomy 29 as Moses warns the people against turning away from God. Make sure, he says, there is no man or woman, clan or tribe amongst you today, whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root amongst you that produces such a bitter poison. This image of sin as poison is one that I find really helpful for getting my head around why sin matters so much more than we often realise. And this podcast is a part of a series reflecting on the theme of judgment. A theme that comes up a lot in the Bible, but a theme that we tend to shy away from and really struggle with. And one key reason we struggle with the idea of judgment is because we don't really get why sin is such a problem. I mean, we know we're not perfect, but most of the things that we do wrong just don't seem that big a deal to us. And so the punishments and judgment that we read about in the Bible all seem a bit much. Why can't God just forgive and let it go? Well, this image of poison gives us an answer to that question, because poison is not something that you can ignore and just let go. However small and innocuous it may seem to begin with, if left unchecked, it spreads and festers until it kills you. And what Moses is saying in this verse is that basically that's what sin is like. It may look small and insignificant, but if we leave it unchecked, it will spread and fester until it destroys us. And worse, actually, because it doesn't just destroy us, it spreads and destroys those around us. We actually see that in all kinds of little ways every day. The cross word that escalates into an argument and ends in the breakdown of a friendship or working relationship. The little white lie that soon gets out of control and ends up hurting those we love. Or that moment of carelessness that causes an injury for someone else. And the Bible makes it clear it's not just in the details like those that our sin acts like poison. It's also true on the large scale. There's one book of the Bible that illustrates this particularly well, and it's the book of Judges. It's quite an ambiguous book. 
It's best known for the stories of heroes or judges who rescue the Israelites from a series of disasters and enemies. But alongside that good news is a general picture of growing sin spiralling out of control with each successive cycle worse than the last. The writer gives us an overview of what's to come at the start in chapter 2 and as he does so he says this. When each judge died the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. Following other gods, they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. The root of the problem is highlighted as something that we might view as relatively minor. The people's decision to ignore God and follow their own ideas about life. The verdict of the whole book is summed up in its final words. Everyone did as they saw fit, or literally everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it's actually the same issue, turning away from God, that Moses highlights in that verse from Deuteronomy we saw earlier as a bitter poison. It's not something that we tend to view as that big an issue. In fact, if anything, most people today would probably see it as a positive. How often are we told to be true to yourself? What makes the comments in the book of Judges so punchy, though, is that the writer sketches out a picture of what happens when we stop paying attention to God. The book finishes with two long stories that are designed to sum up just how bad things had become. I find the final story particularly shocking and difficult to read. It starts slowly in chapter 19 with the story of a broken romance and various little issues and problems that flag up that something's wrong but not much more. But then it flares up horribly with a gang rape, murder and cover-up and that in turn then escalates into a civil war which leads to the death of 25,000 people. And then just when you thought the whole sorry tale was over, the leaders of the nation plot to kidnap 400 young women and force them into marriage with the survivors of the civil war. It is an awful story. And when the writer finishes it and then sums up the whole situation by explaining that in those days everyone did as they saw fit, there's not a lot of doubt that that is not meant to be a good thing. Now thankfully our society isn't as bad as that. In fact that story reminds me that there's so much about my life and our country and being alive now that's fantastic. We do have lots to be thankful for. I think of my friends and my family, my health, my job, being in a free and democratic society and lots more. It's a long list of blessings. And we're reminded in the Bible that actually all those good things, the blessings in life, what we're thankful for, all of them ultimately come from God, who as Paul puts it in 1 Timothy 6, richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Now, those are blessings that can be enjoyed by everyone. They're not just for Christians. And there's loads of wonderful people I come across who don't follow Jesus. And yet, whether we realise it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, as James chapter 1 puts it, every good and perfect gift is from above, from God. God is the source of every blessing, of every good thing in life, of every laugh and every smile. 
And yet what that also means is that to turn away from God is to turn away from the source of every blessing in life. And at first, it may not seem like a big deal because we still get to enjoy all those blessings. The smiles and the laughter continue just without God in the picture. What's wrong with that, you might say? Well, the problem is that however small it may seem at first, that's never the end. Because that sin is a poison. It may start small. It may be slow acting. We may not notice it to begin with, but slowly and surely it spreads and grows and destroys. And despite all the blessings around us, each of us also knows the pain and frustration of a world that is broken and out of sync. And that's not just true out there. If we're honest, most of us would admit that there's also plenty of wrong in here, in us. There's an old sermon illustration I love. Imagine that I got hold of a short film of your life, except that this film isn't the highlights, it's the lowlights. All your worst moments, all your worst actions, all your worst thoughts. What would you do to stop me posting that film on YouTube? I mean, for me, the answer is almost anything. I know that there's so much wrong and out of sync in my life. And the root and foundation of that and of everything else that's wrong and hurting on our world is sin. And that is why Moses describes it as such a bitter poison. That is why the Bible makes such a big deal about sin. So what does God do about it? And suddenly I don't want the answer to be nothing. I want a world that's free from all that junk. A life where there's no longer any death or mourning or crying or pain. A time when sin and suffering are just a memory. So what is God going to do about it? How, how can God get rid of the poison of my sin? Well, the answer is judgment. Judgment is the antidote, the cure to sin. When God judges, he cuts out the rot and poison of our sin and sets things back to the way that they should be. An image that helps me get my head around this is cancer. My old home in London was just across the road from St Bart's Hospital, one of the oldest and best hospitals in Britain. And one of the things that Bart's is famous for is its oncology department, treating cancer. And most of the treatments that you'd find there, most of the treatments for cancer more generally, are fairly severe and painful. Surgery, chemotherapy, radiotherapy. And there are usually significant side effects. So why do we use them? Well, of course, the answer is obvious, because we want to cure the cancer. The cancer is so serious that we're willing to endure almost anything if it will cure us. And in some ways, judgment is like a cure for cancer. It is serious and painful and severe, but it is also necessary because it's the only answer, the only cure to our sin. In the Bible, that judgment comes in various different forms. And we need to be honest that many of those forms make difficult and hard reading. When we read of judgment on a specific nation or generation, or even more so when we read of final judgment. On one level, final judgment is a moment when all that is wrong in this world will be destroyed and everything put right. 
but it is also a moment when some people will end up on the wrong side of God's judgment eternally, with all the pain and anguish and horror that that implies. And that is something we will look at in more depth later in this series. And yet that is not the Bible's last word. Final judgment comes in Revelation 20. Yet Revelation 21 and 22 speak of salvation and make an offer to everyone. Let anyone who wishes take the free gift of the water of life, we read. And that offer is made possible because of what in many ways is the most important moment of judgment in the whole Bible, the cross. Now, people often say that the cross is the ultimate expression of God's love, and it is. But it is also the ultimate expression of his judgment. Because at the cross, Jesus takes all our sin onto himself. All that's wrong and broken and twisted in me is put on him, is judged in him. And as he dies, it dies. In fact, the picture is even stronger than that. When Jesus died, we're told, I died. Paul writes in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We die with Jesus and all that is wrong in us dies with him. But then we also rise again with him. And when we do, the poison is gone. Now, I don't fully understand how that is possible. And for now, the fullness of that is still to come. There's a future element to our salvation. And when Jesus returns and the dead are raised, in that moment, we will experience the fullness of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We will be changed and made perfect at last. And that is what the cross is all about. Judging all that is wrong and broken in us, destroying it, drawing out the poison, and yet not destroying us, but saving us. It's the cure for cancer that destroys the cancer but lets the person live, cured and free forever. And that is a cure that carries with it not just hope for me, but hope for the world. The promise of a world free from the poison and brokenness of sin. A world in which there truly is, as Revelation 21 verse 4 puts it, no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen.